Welcome back to the Entry Proof Podcast. Stoked to have you guys here and to talk about Dusty Whiskeys. I'm Drew, and with me, not Drew, it's Brian. We're recording this uh, this bad boy live on the YouTube, so we got plenty of people in the chat here. So this might be a little bit interactive. If you are listening through the Entry Proof Podcast website or through uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume your podcast through, pretty pretty awesome that you found us. Um, if this is your first episode, make sure you check back at some of the ones we've dropped previous. Our first episode was an awesome one with Danny Callaway from Bardstown Bourbon Company. And uh, we had just a ball talking about his journey and uh, the mission, the ethos, the vibes, the, the culture behind Bardstown Bourbon Company. Like I left there, I mean, I was already intrigued by what was going on at Bardstown Bourbon Company, but I left there like literally jacked. Brian, what was your what was your vibes on Bardstown? It has been growing in terms of products of theirs that I have tried that I have enjoyed, apart from like brand fandom, if you will. But, you know, being there and being able to hear more about the mission and hear Danny talk about everything, it's just one of those times where it like brings it home. You know what I mean? And so I'm just excited to see to see where they go. And just, before we keep going, though, kind of on the note that you had mentioned, for those who are just now jumping in, uh, if you listen to this, if you make it to the end and you say, oh, man, I want to catch that when they're doing it live, make sure to go over to Drew P. Whiskey on YouTube. Subscribe. You'll get alerts when these pop up. You could be a part of Neat Nation. You can interact with us while we're recording. Which is worthwhile. It's fun. I mean, one of my favorite things is the questions and the conversation. And I mean, how many squad members in the chat right now have I, you know, I met a few of you guys in person already. We're swapping samples, having a good time. So it's just fun way to build community around whiskey, particularly while we're still in the midst of COVID. Like we're just waiting right now in Wisconsin for them to um, tell us how they're going to roll the vaccine out. And uh, we've got nothing so far. So that's kind of depressing. I would very much like to get shot in that way and be able to move on from this. But whatever. For now, here we are casting pods and uh, talking some some whiskey. Uh, Well, before we get into our topic, which I already did say was dusty whiskey. We're not even going to define dusty whiskey yet. I want to know, Brian, what are you what are you drinking? The pre pre game. So in our setup, I poured a little bit of uh, Evan Williams bottled and bond. And then at your mention, which I thought, yes, that sounds good. I am pouring a little bit of this uh, 2016. It's a liquor locker pick, Wild Turkey, Kentucky Spirit. Sweet. Mine is just off the shelf, uh, more recent. So I, I don't know when this was actually bottled. Oh, no, I do. Uh, July 31st, 2020, Kentucky Spirit. So the rebrand. Man, I tell you what, uh, Wild Turkey rebrands their products every six months. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, guys, come on, it's commit to fresh. And I got to say, like, this, while this bottle is kind of nice and clean, I much prefer the uniqueness of that old Kentucky Spirit bottle that you had. Show the people that one more time. Like, the actual, like, con- like turkey feather kind of Makes vibe. for a cool infinity bottle or just kind of mm-hmm. like to, to refill. You got that kind of fun Good, wood yeah. work there. Awesome, bottle. Yeah, but whatever. Juice is pretty much the same. I and I really like. I mentioned this on one of my videos before. I really like the proof point of Kentucky Spirit. 
it's that 101 i i mean between bottled and bond and 115 i feel like that's my money zone and when they get hotter than that it has to be a really good whiskey you know to be able to deliver flavor through the heat kentucky spirit squad if you haven't tried it you should probably do that so while it's nice to pregame, of course you guys aren't here today you haven't tuned in to listen to us talk about kentucky spirit wild turkey you you want us to talk about dusties um which brian if if i if i ask you to define what is a dusty if somebody says i like dusty whiskeys or i'm into dusties give me the dusties what what the heck is a dusty i had a friend named dustin who went by dusty when i was like nine right that, that has nothing to do with this either what is a dusty yeah i think it's i think it's kind of two things um i think in general i think when someone talks about dusties they are probably talking about older whiskey like in the 90s um and back so before that when someone's talking about dusties i imagine first thought that's that's where they're going with it but to be fair i would say you know where it got its term is probably still relevant to some extent which is just whiskeys that are older than kind of what's currently being produced and somehow you go into a store and it's still sitting there likely with dust on it you know again would would not qualify in the in the termed dusty if you will but um you know a buddy of mine even i'd say a couple months ago was talking about going into one of his local stores and um had the Bargetown Bourbon Company, I want to say it was either the Apple Brandy or the Chateau de Labaud, one of the two of them, but it, it they weren't putting it out anymore. There's just like four of them on the shelf, and you couldn't find them at that point, you know, out and about, and so he snatched them up. Or my buddy, or like my buddy last year who grabbed me this, last year, 2020, grabbed me this 2016 Liquor Locker Kentucky spirit that was still chilling on the shelf. He brought a whole case back for us. Oh, dang. My buddy, my buddy, Ben, what a great guy. And again, that's kind of an example of modern, like, man, can you believe that? Uh, some people still going into stores and seeing old label, um, Elijah Craig barrel proof or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of taps into it but what we're talking about and what a general public i would assume is talking about is like 90s and beyond and yeah. beyond i mean the other direction <laughs> i think that's generally what i would think of too if you know i had somebody reach out to me on instagram there was a picture of something around my bar and i've got some front age stated elijah craig's big red 12s they're like, oh, those dusty Craigs. I'm like, well, they're like from 2015. So I wouldn't have considered them dusty. But that that said, if they were still on the shelf now, that, that store is not moving a lot of volume. So they probably are dusty and they're discontinued. So Well, not not entirely. It's not necessarily that they're not moving volume. Sometimes they just come across that stuff. It, right before the holidays, Willett started putting out these like early 2000s, I thought, like old barge towns or like can like pure Kentuckys or stuff. And people were going nuts. Like, Oh my gosh, get to the gift shop. And it wasn't for family estate. It was from these older bottlings of stuff. They just, I guess, found in the warehouse or they, or they probably kept them for release. Yeah. They probably kept them. Well, so here's the, probably the closest I've ever gotten to a dusty on the shelf, which is again, we're talking like 2015 was one of the local liquor stores that does a lot of volume had this old Nicholson, 
uh, bottled in bond. So David Nicholson, 1843, used to be a bottled in bond product. It's no longer. Uh, I think they stopped doing that in 2016. But there was one of these on the shelf against like, you know, all the new releases. And uh, I was like, well, that is unique. <laughs> that has not been there before. And so I think like in some cases, maybe they're holding on to, you know, a case or two of old stuff. And then they're like, ah, let's throw it out there and make somebody's day. So, right. So I don't even, I have no idea if this is any good. I've never actually had Nicholson. I know it's a Lux Coke Pop product. It, find out. Chug it. <laughs> maybe right, maybe right now. Maybe we'll do it right now. Yeah, again, definition of Dusty's. Well, there is no formal definition according to Webster's Dictionary. There's just uh, a bunch of whiskey geeks who find, quote unquote, Dusty bottles. And uh, so that can vary, as we saw in the Bardstown uh, Bourbon Company vintage whiskey library or whatever they call that it can it can range from 1890s bourbon all the way up to yeah probably 1990s maybe early 2000s um terms of uh formal definition which you know let's just we're making the formal definition brian right now you got to make the year cut off what is it would you say it's 2000 or where would you formulate the the cutoff date for the 97 dusty 1997 all right it's 99 it's out that's Uh, right yeah i mean to be fair i'm not that old i'm 31 and i was uh you know eight years old in 97 so yeah it's not we're not talking about that long ago all right um before we get into the tasting a little bit more uh a review here in this dusty subject too because it's kind of it seems like a progression for bourbon geeks as you get into bourbon you start exploring stuff. You learn about bottled and bond. Uh, and then you go to like single barrels and barrel proof. That's cool and great. Uh, but then you're like, okay, what else is there? There's the limited releases. Okay, what else is there? There's discontinued stuff. There's old stuff. There's hunting estate sales, you know, trying to find stuff that grandpa had in his locker. What do you think of the allure is in Dusty's? Because we do see this progression kind of come to fruition and then people get super into this old, old juice. I think everybody has or eventually runs into somebody who is the Dusty guy or or falls into it and just says, you, you just have to try this. Like of all the stuff you're trying... You got to try this because it doesn't taste like other stuff that you can get. I think it, I think maybe that's it. I think as people hop around, they might go after the allocated stuff, a pours at the bar, or they do the hunting, or they know what the Buffalo Trace profile is, whatever it is. I think just in the search of trying to find what else is there, you know, you kind mm. of discover that there's this older thing. And and one thing, man, we didn't get this recorded, but um, when Dan had left the room after we had recorded and he brought his, his other buddy in who was the, uh, the beverage director at Bargetown bourbon company. And I had asked him, you know, or we were asking him, you know, what's your favorite bottle in here or whatever. He had said something he had, he had pointed to some bottles. We made a comment about a wild Turkey product and he was, he said this comment and I just wish I had captured it for this reason or otherwise. And he said that, you know, people will take older whiskey nowadays and they'll think they could just sit on it. You know, they've got these synthetic corks or whatever. They think they could just sit on it and they'll open it in 20 years or so and have this dusty like experience. He says it's not going to happen. You know, the, 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 
wood corks or whatever. They just, they didn't provide a perfect seal. There's just something about that that just allowed the whiskey to, to change a little bit. And, and we'll talk about it a little bit more because I know you were talking about things to look out for when it comes to mm-hmm. Dusty's. But mm-hmm. it just had me starting to think about, you know, not even necessarily the time capsule of, of days of old, which is still true because back when bourbon wasn't as big of an industry as it was, as it is right now to try and like get product out, get product out, get product out. It was slower. There was more mature trees. They're making the Oak from, and things were just looser. I would say maybe, I don't know. I'm not that old either. I don't know if that's true. You just get the impression that whiskey then was just different. But aside from the time capsule piece, is the fact that if that thing that he is mentioning is true, you kind of have an ever-evolving whiskey in a world where you're told as long as you don't open it, the whiskey's not going to change. And I mm-hmm. think that's intriguing. So RW in the chat said, uh, is it the Pokemon effect with dusty whiskeys? you got to catch them all. <laughs> and I, I think it kind of yeah. is. You know, it's, it is the hunt. You know, I mentioned that in, you know, collecting whiskey or what do you do with your whiskey one of my videos there i said you know there's there's an allure to special whiskey in that you know you can't find it all the time so it's like well why do you go deer hunting it's not for the meat like it's really not (laughs) it's so expensive to get a license and you know like go to the range and dial in you know whatever what do you call that sighted in it's been a while since i've been deer hunting love deer hunting but it's been a while Anyway, it costs way more to shoot a deer than it does to go buy a cow. Um, so that's not and that's not entirely true, but pound for pound, I'm sure it's cheaper to, to buy the beef. Um, but you do it because, like, man, when you shoot a rad buck and you've got that eight point, you know, with the nice mass, tall tines, you shoot that, you know, 12 point non-typical whitetail, you're jacked about that because not everybody gets to do that. It's a very unique experience. In the same way that uh, being able to land a dusty and un, un, ungettable whiskey would be, uh, I mean, you might, it's exciting. You feel it in your loins a little bit. <laughs> it moves you as a person. Um, gets you jacked. So um, definitely I think that that hunt is certainly a component of why dusty whiskeys is a thing. And then I think, too, like if you're really a palate person, uh, human beings have this nature of wanting to new experiences like show me the next thing what's the next thing go deeper 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 it's sort of ingrained in who we are to look for something beyond what we have and it's not always born out of greed um you know i think it's sort of the the heart's cry the craving of the soul um so if whiskey is your jam you know your your soul cravings might drive you to say okay well i've tasted a lot of whiskey there's a lot of whiskey on the shelf but i've had a lot of it so what else is out there for me to to try and experience. And yeah, there's some old stuff that not everybody's been able to try who's living, very few people, and you might uh, have a little sip of something that kind of, I mean, takes you a place you've never been. And to be fair too, there are people who, you know, we're, we're seeing distillers taking off age statements. They're trying to distill earlier, you know, get out sooner. Not everybody. And there are people who are still using older whiskey, older sourced whiskey or whatever. But again, you know, when you think about dusty whiskeys, yeah, there probably was age statements there too. There's a lot of blends happening, but I feel like, again, what you generally hear is age statement is just the minimum, but they put a lot of older stock in it. 
I don't think that's exactly the true true now. I feel like if there's an age statement, it's probably a majority of that age because why would they put older stock? It costs more. Why would they do that? But back then, you would. And so an eight-year age-stated whiskey could still taste real nice and old if mm-hmm. that's your that's your profile. Kyle Ramage in the YouTube chat, who's a coffee guy like us, says rare equals good for many people. 90-point Ethiopia versus 90-point Panama Geisha, which one sold for more? Well, if you're a coffee person, you know it's Panama Geisha because it's quote-unquote rarer. And that is true, too, is um, you know, the, the allure of something that you can't have every day definitely makes the experience more unique. And if the experience is more unique, you're more likely to remember it as a product that was uh, better you know, because your experience is more... Uh, well, I keep saying the word unique. I apologize for that. Nothing else is coming to my brain right now. Uh, but for instance, in coffee... I'll have people, and I'm sure you have this same experience, Brian, where people will come up to me and ask me, like, oh, have you guys ever had any Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee? And I'm just like, oh, oh my gosh. So I know exactly what you're talking about, person. (laughs) Like, so let me guess. You were in Jamaica, and you were at Sandals Resort, and they gave you coffee. And you're on the beach with your wife. You know, you've been eating a lot. You're swimming. You're enjoying the weather. Lord knows what else you've been doing, but you've been doing fun things. And then somebody brings you coffee and they tell you it's Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee and that it's supposed to be really good. (laughs) Odds are pretty good that you're going to think that coffee was the best because it's been surrounded in your brain by very positive memories. Um, But if you were to say taste it blind next to, you know, uh, pretty dope uh, Kenyan coffee from a specialty coffee roaster in the United States, I mean, odds are just not as good that what they gave you at Sandals is going to measure up to what you're getting at a specialty coffee roaster in the States. That's the point. So experience influences your perception of something's flavor. That's my point. Okay, so let's talk about the challenges here of um, getting in two Dusties. I mean, one of them, obviously, is the fact that you can't go to the store. I mean, I've I've gone, I've gotten down on my hands and knees to, to look into the the back of the bottom shelf to see if there's some old Austin Nichols 101 wild turkey and have not uh, found any. Other dusty hunters have beat me to it. But, um, yeah, you can't really dusty hunt on the shelves anymore. If you're into right. pre-2000 whiskeys, you're not going to find them going to some liquor store in Ottumwa, Iowa, there's been somebody like Brian who's rolled through there before and stopped at every tiny little liquor store and cleaned them out. So maybe that's maybe. one very obvious, very obvious hurdle to getting into dusty whiskeys. Brian, what would be some more that you could think of? To be honest, and I, I want to say this because I am by no means, we didn't preface this. You know, you say you haven't had dusties. I am not a dusty pro. I have a couple I'm intrigued by it, and I I think th- I think this is a good episode because I think there are people who are here. You being one of them, we're gonna taste. You're gonna try some dusty stuff. I I want to do a revisit episode where we have someone on who's more knowledgeable, like an actual. We walk through yeah. it, we walk through it with idea. them. So so back backing back up though from that, um, you know, dusty is tricky because I would I don't know what I what to shop for. 
Like if I'm looking for, you know, I talked to some people and they've given me a couple recommendations, but like, I think to me, the biggest hurdle in dusty whiskey is that you don't know you, you, if, unless you know, you don't know what's good. You don't know what to look for and you don't know if the price is right. You know, that's, that's been the biggest thing for me is not, you know, I see pr the price doesn't make sense. It's not like I can, I don't know, maybe I just don't follow it enough, but I don't feel like there's as close of a barometer as there is for retail price of current whiskey and, sure. and perhaps it's secondary or something like that. It's just kind of the wild west when it yeah. comes to stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's really you could really charge whatever you want, I would assume. Yeah, it seems really dangerous from a pricing place. I mean, there are still like there is a Facebook group out there right now. BSM dash value reference. They uh, it's just a, basically a big forum where you can search for a particular bottle and they will people will share, you know, what they bought or sold it for and when. So you can kind of track secondary values that way. I think I'm in that. I I don't I, I will have to I'd have to go through and see if there's I, again, I still feel like dusties are, are tricky with that. It's like I've got a 72 decanter, a 73 decanter, 74 decanter, 75 mm -hmm. decanter. This decanter has a monkey on it. This decanter has um, uh, an elephant on it. This one is an elephant, but it's a different color elephant. Well, you're going to get closer probably. So I just searched Chessman because like one of the i think the coolest decanters that were made are those old pro chessmen and i've got one reference here 450 with a quote-unquote good fill and then one here uh bought it uh for 700 on may 2nd 2020 so i mean you're going all right uh for a full chessman you know it's going to be somewhere in the you know, 500 probably 500 on the low end to 700 maybe a little north of that given that that last sale was in may i'm asking if i saw mash and drums train set of decanters no i did not um i wonder if those are the ezra brooks trains i'm sure this i'm sure beam probably did trains too dude beam did everything so let's go into that as a, a topic here before i'm sure my samples here have gotten enough airtime. we'll turn to those and we can come back to some other dusty topics in a minute but you know, when we talk about dangers of dusty hunting, is that there is a buttload of these old ceramic decanters, um, particularly Beam, uh, you know, the Ducks Unlimited series. That, I mean, they had series for pretty much everything, um, at any sort of event. They're just trying to figure out how to sell whiskey. Um, and so they you put it in funny decanters, but somebody on the chat throughout and this is a very important point is not all of those decanters are very very safe to drink from and that uh old ones tend to have a lead content in them so there's lead content that's one problem is you don't want to slam those lead is not good for you and then the other issue would be that a lot of these decanters didn't have great seals in that those corks are pretty old and some of those decanters were kind of made to sit more or less on their side, which is not great for you know, whiskey to be exposed to cork as alcohol degrades cork. So some of these old, old ceramic decanters are really just a, a recipe for disaster and they're 80 proof, you know, seventies beam, which I have not had, mind you, but I'm not exactly tempted to have. There's not a lot of allure there, nor, do, nor have they been met with a high level of, uh, 
like applause, applause and a plum. You know, like there's there weren't any old beam ceramic decanters or old Ezra Brooks uh, ceramic decanters from the seventies in that Bardstown uh, vintage whiskey library we were in. Yeah, I mean it's definitely uh, tricky. You know, you you run the risk of cloudiness, uh, you know, of murkiness, and is that murkiness oxidation? You know how you know people ask ask a lot about weights they're trying to figure out is, has many, there been evaporation loss and is that going to have affect a flavor and in what way because of the extra space in the bottle is it is it tainted by the cork because it, it sat on it and it kind of started to break the the cork away um is it pulling it was it stored in a weird smelling room and not have a good seal thus have weird aromas like there's a there's a lot of funk and aside from that i feel like you see a lot of people who you know a lot of times they'll have um like tax strips or something like that on them but you can never quite tell if they've been tampered with or not i mean i think that's the biggest thing is it's so old like where's what's the traceability has someone been you know, like is this real or not you got to find a credible buyer if you're buying at all just because of that if it's not something you found uh, somewhere, but that's still, you know, you can still have that dusty uh, experience because, again, this is kind of out of place to bring up. But one thing that's kind of neat is, you know, you could just go perusing sometimes for like um, estate sales or like at an auction lot or heck, I mean, maybe you can even find some minis at like a, I don't want to say a flea market. What are those things? What are those like antique stores called? You can sometimes just find this old, you know, 80s minis um, in in just some wacky places and have that off the shelf dusty experience and it also be a dusty. But yeah, you, I just feel like it's one of those things like maybe you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true <laughs> is when somebody's something has been sitting there that long. Things are bound to go wrong. Overoxidation certainly risk cork taint, as you said. You have zero idea of what the quality is if you haven't been able to try it. And of course, you can try and read something, but the resources about like is this particular dusty good? It's just they're just less. You know, it's harder to look up on the Google what the review is of a donut wild turkey or Christmas uh, Christmas rye wild turkey. Um, what's some other ones? Some of the old fits crystal decanters. The uh, what was the which distillery did the bowling pin? That's a good one. That's a good decanter. I think that's old fits. Oh, or not old fits, old forester. I mean, might be they've had a lot of different, and that's what's kind of cool about their tour. You get to see all these different types of bottles they've used. All right, uh, so a little introduction into Dusty's. Uh, God help you should you decide to go dusty hunting. Do your best to do some research. Um, you can actually, there is uh, the Bardstown uh, Vintage Bourbon Library. I just need to look up what that's called, but that is chronicled online. So you can see what Fred Minnick curated um, for that particular shop. Um, that might help get you some knowledge of what's out there point you in a direction that may be more helpful than you just trying to figure it out on your own figuring it out on your own generally means you're going to spend a lot of money and uh you are going to make some mistakes 
buddies will just kind of educate you a little bit, either cut you some samples or let you, you know, taste with them safely during the, the, the COVID. Big Rona. But yeah. Let no you doubt. taste through and trying to learn some of that, that stuff on your own. Friends are uh, wonderful when it comes to bourbon. Obviously, as I'm thankful that Brian kicked me five samples here. So now I'm going to pull these suckers in. And these are, I have no idea what they are. I know a few of the dusties that Brian had. So I have an idea of what might be in some of these glasses, but I have literally no understanding of what the profile of those products would be. So I actually have zero clue about what's in these glasses. They've now been sitting out here for almost an hour. So plenty of time to quote unquote, open up. Oh my gosh. The, the nose on the first one, I, again, I've not nosed these. I have, I had a covered a little bit and then uncovered, but this is going to be fun. This is going to be right. fun. I'm how so, it's good. That first one's already. Whew. All right. Let's, let's jump into it, man. Okay. All right. So Drew does not know this, but the first sample we're going to be tasting is a 1989 wild turkey eight 101 liter. All right. So you mentioned the nose on one already. You were like, oh, the nose on one. It was so good. Yeah, it is very deep. Uh, actually reminds me of like Buffalo Trace, actually. Um, but I'm talking like stag. I get uh, pronounced oak. There's some alcohol on there. But it's easy sniffing of sweet oak, brown, like sugar. Like brown sugar. Bombs. Sweet oak, brown sugar. Yeah, it is. It's got tons of sweetness there. Not a ton of complexity. It smells great. Smells well-aged, but I don't get uh, like, oh, I'm getting floral and sweetness and spicy. I mainly get sweet oak and brown sugar. All right. Palette on one. Creamy. Oh, yeah. Very, very creamy. Uh, like butter. Like really oily. One of the like, most oily, which I love, squad. Like that slippery, viscous, creamy, oily. That's a fun experience for sure. Um, doesn't pack, pack as much spice. oak as I expected based on the nose that I got. I think the oak puts itself in there well. It's like, boom, placed. And then the spice is similar. The spice is placed. And then as it finishes, you have a little bit of like this kind of, kind of floral uh, spice, but lingering with like some like a touch of musty chocolate yeah i don't get much must um i get milk chocolate not dark chocolate um yeah it says it's lingering it will linger with a little bit of a little bit of funk just a touch i'm searching so i yeah if you told me or if you didn't tell me this was a dust, dusty i would be like oh you know it's a it's a really good whiskey but there's nothing that makes me go like this is crazy different i've never had this before it's very good it's very good um i quite enjoy it uh that that oily mouthfeel is something that is hard to find um but beyond that there's nothing in the taste profile that made me go like oh wow this is funky or there because i mean the guys on bourbon pursuit will talk all the time about dusty funk and i'm like i don't still don't know what that means (laughs) yeah all right, number two. The second bottle he is tasting is a 1995 stamped Old Forester. 
Um, I do get more funky, funky vibes in this one. And, you know, I've made fun of color before, but in the bottles, as I looked at all the bottles lined up, number two was noticeably lighter than the other four in color. I, I, I did spend not a ton of time, but I did try and line up. I was tasting back and forth some of these, and I thought there was a good progression to what you're tasting tonight. So um, this is actually a topic for another day, but I don't know if you all notice that, like, how you taste through things, if if it is set up by the pour that's before it. Um, It was something that was really big in chocolate. You know, whenever I've been talking with people in chocolate, they talk about setting up pairings or setting up tastings and building upon flavors. Uh, And I got a friend locally who is – really about setting up tastings that build upon flavor. I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I would love that, but I don't, I just don't know that it makes that much of a difference. But in this case, I did really like two after, after the first one. one. So that's where I put it. So the nose, I get kind of toasted grains, mm-hmm. less oak, um, almost like uh, raw wood. So raw, raw oak. Um, so like, like wood shop, not full particle board, which I get in craft whiskeys. But if, if I was to say, if I was to pull out youth on, on this, or at least out of these two, this one, I would definitely peg as a younger product because it has some of the, that grainy, lighter, more fresh wood characteristics I would generally uh, attribute to a young whiskey. And kind of compared to the, brown sugar in the first one i feel like it is it is lighter it is um it is a little bit more youthful a little bit more playful and then it has more like a, a little touch of caramel not super developed but a little bit of caramel sweetness playful like like what like what's it playing is it like hopscotch are we talking jump rope if i'm talking about something that's lively it's just sure. got like little it's got a little well, zing it's got a little, it's got a little, little pick me up little giddy up in the horse you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it is, uh, yeah, it's more in the uh, mellow honey slash simple syrup sweetness realm. It's still plenty sweet, but doesn't bring the brown sugary, caramely depth. Not super deep, yeah. No. I like Jeremy's comment, sawdust, yum. And I don't know if that's uh, sarcasm or not, but I say that because in whiskey in general, and specifically Dusty's, there are notes that I will use or taste or pick up on that. I would, I feel like out of context, I'd be like, well, that sounds awful. But in whiskey, if it's, if it's placed well, I feel like it's intriguing. And I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but one of the bourboner new riff picks that I have, I think it was like seal box three or something like that. It's very earthy and it tastes like rocks. It's like minerally and it kind of tastes like dirt and rocks. And it's weird. It's really weird. But it's also a little uh, intriguing. Anyway, yeah, Durden Rock's generally not something I would vibe at. Just as sawdust isn't. So, like, I definitely prefer number one to number two here. Um, number two, not bad, but uh, you know, there are a lot of modern whiskeys I would prefer over this. Nothing offensive about it. It's just okay. It's all right. It kind of reminds me of. Uh, I want to say Old Forester 86, like low proof. There's not any sort of semblance of heat in this. It is smooth, and I mean that. Like That's actually a good adjective for this one. It is smooth. All right, number three. The third bottle he's going to be tasting looks like a 114.7. 
uh, wild turkey Kentucky legend, or as we like to call him, the donut. Uh, back to more fun on the nose, sweet baked goods. Like I get uh, croissant, and then I get you know that buttercream frosting note I, I like on the nose. Uh, like confectioner sugar. Um, my mom would make this fermented sweet bread called uh, she called Amish friendship bread. It's because you're supposed to share this so like sourdough starter, but that stuff was dope, and that's uh, kind of what this reminds me of. There is a uh, a little bit of a wet, wet wood kind of, you know, you're out in the woods and there's sort of this literally dank, just a suggestion though. Yeah, definitely a little bit of dampness. Uh, yeah. I do yeah. this in general. I mean, even, even though I liked how sweet one was, uh, I think that three has a lot more character, a lot more depth. The spice is kicked up a little bit more. I don't necessarily know that it's funkier, although we did just talk about it having like wet, damp wood. And I, yeah, I, yeah, I, which I didn't get in one. Going back to one, I actually pulled a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more like uh, baking spices out of it. Whereas this one, yeah, I want to say it's a little. I'm going to get nose fatigue if I sit here and snort this stuff <laughs> much longer. But yeah, smells great. Really nice nose on this one. Mm. Okay, here's where we got layers. We have fruit. Yep. Uh, 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 grapes. So we got like purple grapes, a little bit of cherry, plenty of, of oak influence, heavy sweetness. Uh, big spices like cinnamon and brown sugar, a lot of them both. Uh, this is an experience here, and enough heat like to deliver some intense flavors. Not subtle, but all kinds of different stuff going on. Not a not a ton of wood, but a little oak. Yeah, I get enough, man. Like this one tastes substantially older, more time in the barrel than number two. It doesn't leave you with a heavy, like, or it doesn't leave you with kind of any dryness on the palate. Yeah, I mean, this is a nice combination of deep sweetness and fruitiness. I'm pulling more oak than you were. That was definitely number three, though, so we're tasting the same thing. Right. Yeah, I don't want to get too far. So one and three, both quite good. I'm going to give three the edge right now over one so we're going three one and then two so far all right number four all right this one that uh he's tasting right now happens to be a 1990 wild turkey cheesy gold foil like do some comparative nosing here okay so four is going to be even deeper i'll stop using the word deeper four is going to be even uh more heavy on the nose, more oak, smoky. Get some plenty of barrel char up in there. Uh, char is more pronounced here. And I get some. Uh, if you had to, if this is going to be embarrassing when these are revealed, 
But if you told me that a modern wild turkey was on the table, I'd pick this one out. I'd say this reminds me of rare breed. Uh, mashy, like uh, like fermenty kind of flavor. Um, it, it almost tastes sour. Like I think of the, the word sour mash is, is funny because all mash is kind of sour. But I'm, I'm not reference to a sour mash process at all, but the fermentation, the mashing process, there is a smell and a taste actually, if you ever taste mash in a distillery that sometimes carries over to the end product, particularly in the nose. Um, so I get it in some of the less refined Heaven Hill products. I get it in Wild Turkey and I get some of it here on the nose. Yeah, definitely sort of the sour fermenty, but then plenty of age, um, Wood-wise, less sweet oak and more of a cedar. It's just got a little bit more sharpness. It's a sharper nose than number three was. Three was a little, little touch of fruit, a little touch of leather in there. Well, I'm saying well-worn leather. We're talking about hunting lodge leather, unless yeah. they like. Oh, this is fresh. Like, if you like got a new Bible, a calfskin Bible. It doesn't smell like that. All right, on the palate. Still thinking wild turkey uh, profile here. Reminds me of, um, reminds me a lot of the Kentucky spirit I had earlier. Also the decades release um, wild turkey. Those, some of those more well-aged wild turkeys can be quite viscous, which I do think this one is. So pretty, pretty solid mouthfeel on this. Um, of a honey sweetness the finish is kind of drying and i get a little bit of like a hoppy bitterness on the finish which i'm not a huge fan of so the finish to me is not wonderful but everything else is pretty good nose is nice um good sweetness good viscosity just want and the finish is there. Like if you like just a long finish, it's okay, but it's just not my favorite kind because it's kind of dry. And uh, yeah, and go back to one and see how sweet one is coming from four. Well, I don't have much of this. Yeah, one and four in terms of my overall assessment, pretty comparable. I'm gonna give the edge to one. Um, number two is still not my favorite right now but i'm not, i'm saving enough where i can do a final test of all of these before i finish so we're going one two four or i'm sorry that was completely wrong so far we're going three as our best then one one then four then four, two then two i think there's a little bit of there's a little bit of something quirky about four yeah two yeah i agree I mean, it is, I'd say it's probably the less refined. I would pick number two as a more refined one, but uh, two is just so chill and mellow. Like I want more bold flavors in my bourbon, mm -hmm. particularly if it's dusty, it's supposed to be. <laughs> There's a mythology, a mythological uh, character that's supposed to accompany a dusty. And nothing has hit me like, oh, wow, that was absolutely bonkers um, so far. Although, I mean, three was really nice. Here we go, though. Number five. 
All right, y'all, and the last one he is tasting right now is the 1969 Old Crow Chessman. Number five on the nose. Layers here on this nose. I get more wet wood. Not as dank, but it's like, I mean, say you were like building a table, and uh, then you left that table outside, and it got all wet. Then you brought it in, and you took a hairdryer to it, and that evaporation with the heat and the fresh fresh oak, because it's not piney, it's not cedary. I mean, that's a pretty elaborate articulation of what I'm smelling, but this is a this is a, the spiciest nose by a long shot. Uh, almost get like cayenne pepper, like there's sort of this this heat, this spicy heat that goes beyond cinnamon and allspice and nutmeg. But it's also sweet too, sweet and spicy with a very pungent wood but not pungent in a bad way. It is, if, if, if you said there was one dusty on the table, I'd probably pull out this one and go like, oh yeah, that one's kind of unique. Just gonna nose the rest of these. Oh man, the nose on three is, is very good. Okay, now going back to five here. Yeah, all right, well that's enough of that. Pretty solid, um, lots of interesting stuff on there. now. The palette. Big, uh, rich caramel. A lot of spicy, spicy finish. What What is seems to be common here among these whiskeys is viscosity. Um, and by viscosity, I mean syrupy, honey kind of mouthfeel. Um, slippery finish, with the exception of number four. I mentioned the finish on four was really, really dry. Not dry on the finish here. Um, so rich sweetness, plenty of age. Man, it's really good. Ah, it's going to be a tough call. I don't get a lot of fruit. Maybe some some dried cherries. Um, if I'm hunting, like it's it's deep. It's so it's we're talking dried fruit. There's not like a pronounced acidity or like juiciness to it. But there's all kinds of uh, heavily toasted sugars up in here. Well, me likey, me likey five. Five is very good. Five is five. I feel like is is the most unique of them all. Um, it does have the, the caramels. It has the the sugars for sure. But it has something that's like it is very perfumey to me. You and floral in there. But, but different than Four Roses, it's like, it is like, um, it is more almost like factually or accurately like perfumey. It's, it leaves a lingering like spritz of perfume-like qualities to me in the palate. Yeah, tiny sips now, I'm almost out. Yeah, I mean... There's nothing that makes me think, like the, the retro, the the sensation in your olfactory glands, betwixt the roof of your mouth and your nose, quite lovely. I don't get like a heavy, like oh yeah, I'm getting roses, maybe honeysuckle, like if it was a honeysuckle tea, okay, like white tea. There we go. If you want to call floral, I would say we're talking white tea up on number five for sure. Um, white, like a peach white tea, dried peaches and white tea. Okay. 
we're going to call it at that. I've got just a tiny little bit left of five here. So now I'm going to go back through for my final rankings. Five and three are at the top. One was quite good, but it was slightly below that. Four was next. Um, intense on that one. The drying mouthfeel really got me. And then two was just so mellow and chill and kind of youthful. It wasn't really vibing. So I'm going to start with two. Cycle back through here. Man, four is nice. Uh, going back to four after five. Man, two's got such a great, sweet nose. Two does? I get too much youth on the nose on two. Uh, two is, is nice. It's just not not really my profile. All right. Yeah, it does fall a little flat on the palate. Yeah, I stand by stand by my assessment on two. So now I'm going to go to four. And it kind of reminds me of some Knob Creek picks now, four. Like where there's this big, bold, intense, like punch you right in the face, which I don't mind. I kind of like that. I mentioned that cedary note. Nice. It is big. It's delicious. That finish, though, is just holding it back for me relative to some of the others. But I'm, I'm liking the foreground on this better now, actually. That is it for what I have on number four, though. So it's going to have to... I'm going to have to remember what I got. Yeah, that's all I got. All right, going back to one now. So number two is still in last place. Number four is growing on me a little bit. Mm. Number one, though, has this. It's got a better finish. It does get a little grainy, though, but it's more viscous, less dry. It does taste a little funkier to me than it did at the start. But reminds me, I keep going back to like a Stag Junior, which I love that. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep giving one the edge to to four here. So in last place, I still have number two. In second to last, number four. In third place, number one. <sighs> okay, going back to number three. This is hard. The the, the heat. So the hottest one out of these first four is definitely three. Three packs the most proof, at least to my mouth. Uh, it it kind of singes the back sides of my tongue a little bit, and I'm getting a little bit more like charcoal e, you know, carbonic bitterness out of three than I did originally. So three is falling for me a little, whereas one. One one may take the lead here over three. Go back to one. I got a little bit. Yeah, I got a little bit more one left. Yeah, I mean, so I hate trying to pick out my favorite squad. You guys know this if you've watched my shows. Yeah, tonight because of the uh, sustained sweetness and delightful mouthfeel, I'm going to go with one. So so I haven't gone back to five yet, but one over three. Uh, three and four are probably pretty comparable. Two still at the bottom. Now back to five. Now while you're going through this, and, and I could ask this question again after if you'd prefer, but again, if you were to consider all of these pours being dusties, like, is are there flavors you find consistent among all of these? Do you like this? Are you like, cool, that's dusty? Are you like, or are you thinking... I mean, I heard you say four. You were like, oh, this kind of just reminds me of modern rare breed. 
Yeah. It, is there, are you noticing things about this or are you like, no, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I'll see it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, they're all quite good. But again, these are ones I think that have a pretty solid reputation among um, dusty whiskeys. So they're all very, very good with the exception of two, which is just good. So we're splitting hairs a little bit here. Um, you know, if I did these next to some other ones, would I be like, oh, these are really good? I don't know. I mean, I, I well, here, let me. So what I will say is five is going to be my winner. The overall quality of that just feels a step above. Feels a step above. Crazy viscous. Not as punchy or as spicy, actually, as some of the other ones, particularly three and four. But a very sweet, crazy viscous, and and I do like that kind of white tea, white tea finish. If I had a big pour of this, spiciest, did I really? You did on the nose or on the palate? Oh, that I actually would have to go back and listen to in post. Yeah. So I did have a little bit less of five than the others, but now after tasting all of these, so I've got, here's the final ranking. Five, one, uh, three, four, two. I'm gonna go back and I've got a, a bourbon I've really been enjoying in this class, and that's the Bullet Blender Select Batch One, which is the only batch so far. Which is really good. <laughs> so it's like, do, do any does anything stand out in these? Like, oh my gosh, that's mind blowing. Completely different. No. Um, you know, in four out of the five, there is a pronounced age component that I really, really like. Like, you know, going back to Dusty's, not all of these I imagine have age statements. Some of them might. Um, you know, that it does seem that in the seventies and eighties, whiskey was allowed in general to mature to a level that it's maybe not always allowed to mature to these days because you know the craft distilleries are rushing to get their product out the door and you know some of the larger distilleries were running low on some of their stocks so uh there's i'd say that is what is in common is there's i don't think there's any young whiskey here number two bears a passing resemblance to a younger whiskey but there's nothing else that was like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's youthful or that sucks. They're all quite good. So when you tell me uh, what they are, I may say, well, you know, if you told me what five is or what one is, I'd probably be like, well, I'm gonna keep an eye out for that. Um, anything else, I feel like there's a profile I can probably replicate through more modern whiskeys. At the same time, you know, it's, it's about the hunting somewhat and having this whiskey that's, you know, I mean, if it was barreled in 1960 and, you know, it bottled in 1972 and then you get to drink it in 2020, some 50 years later, that's pretty cool. Like, that's just a fun human experience. Like, we all kind of, I think, resonate with the history behind it. And so right. I would definitely do that, too. So why don't we reveal here? Let me have it. Let's start with number two. What was number two? My last place. Your last place was 86 proof Old Forester from, it looks like bottom stamped 96. 
I first thought it was 95, but I think it's bottom stamp 96. So 90s, 86 proof Old Forester. I called it. I said it tasted like Old Forester 86. Yeah, it had it had that banana profile. It's uh, especially if you come off of one of the ones that are spicier, you definitely get a lot of sugary, like mm-hmm. brulee banana, yeah, like in a candy sweetness. Old but Forester 86 don't taste like that. It tastes like Old Forester, but I still feel like it tastes like just really good Old Forester. A little less yeah. spice. Yeah, maybe but a little nothing crazy, crazy, but nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Just I just wanted to throw it in there. Yeah, it really stood out. That's for sure. <laughs> that was so. That was fifth place. I have the same order for tonight. The three, wow. as much as I want to put it above one. It that the drinkability and the sweetness in one is just crushing it tonight. Agreed. So, so hit me with number four because that was second. Well, fourth was fourth. Number four is 1990 Wild Turkey 12 Year Cheesy Gold Foil. Hmm. Uh, which is this, that the one I said was rare breed esque? Yes. Okay. Which is right. but and, but again, this is awesome for squad here. That a lot of people you'll say people will say. If you're going to have one wild turkey product, this is it. And you tasted it. And again, there are some nights where I have it where it comes off a little bit more oaky. But this is one product that I feel like I've just this. When I bought this, I I was drinking this. and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm actually not a turkey guy. If this is the epitome of turkey, maybe I'm not a turkey guy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good. Like, it's good. But I it's not legendary good. Um but I'm really glad to have been able to try it. I enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah. I'm feeling good right now. I pegged that one as Wild Turkey. I pegged two as Old Forester. So I've undersold maybe the quality of my bourbon palate right now. So, <laughs> all right, let's go to number uh, three, which was number three, the donut turkey. So, and like we talked about with Proof, this <coughs> is 114.7. It is the highest proof mm. of them all. Yeah, I did. I actually, I, I just had a little bit left in my glass. That is quite good. Um, I mean, that's a battle. I do think it is less refined for sure than one in five, but that's a solid. I'd take that for sure over the cheesy gold. On most oil. days. That 1990. I'm, days, sure I'm sure there's variance in the cheesy gold foil from year to year, though. I mean, how long they ran that for what? Four years, cheesy gold foil. I forget, but that is 1990. Well, it had to be more than that because my buddy let me try a 1985, oh, which okay. to me is like levels better than the 1990. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to say so, I want to say mid 90s is this Kentucky Legend, maybe late 90s. Um, so some of these aren't all old, 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 dusty. Um, but again, on most days, I would tell you that that donut of um, this this kentucky legend wild turkey single barrel is is my favorite turkey product mm. on some days not tonight all right sample number one which was my second favorite sample number one again wild turkey with a 1989 8101 wow dang yeah that's it is not a decanter. I debated sending you. I debated sending you an eighty-five decanter, but I just felt like the 
the character in this one was a little bit better and I didn't want to make the whole flight turkey. Yeah. But I wanted to let you try some of the things that when people say dusties are older, you know, pe- I feel like a lot of people lean towards the cheesy gold um, donut being one of my favorites. But again, this is just an 8101. Um, however, it um, you can't really see it, but man, it's it's seen some it's seen some stuff. But it it had the, the cork was perfect. Mm. The juice is clear, and um, that yeah, was eight dark dollars, man. Eight, that- eight one hundred one. The the color on that just looking through the computer. Could be tricky where I'm at, but it, it is Maybe. it is very good. Yeah, that was that's amazing. Like I would not expect just any one on one release to be either the legend or the cheesy gold foil, but there you have it for both of us tonight. Okay. What's the big one? What did I like the best? What was number five? Nineteen sixty nine old crow chessman, which again a lot of these, while older, they were not. We did not have '80s decanters. We didn't have '70s decanters. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I could have had some of those, but sometimes they have like that perfuminess, that fragrance that it has on the palate, can be so overwhelming. I didn't want to like, especially with you not having them. I wanted to work you into a few flavors without like bombarding your palate and being like, I don't know, it just all tastes like a bouquet of flowers. Um. 86 proof. So we both wow. know how viscous this was. Yeah. You know, this old crow is, I think, uh, 10 years old. This whiskey is 10 years old. 86 proof in one of the more viscous whiskeys I feel like I, I drink with a lot of quirkiness. I think the first time I tried it, I didn't even know if I liked it the first time I tried it. I just said, this is weird, man. Um, but it was so intriguing. And boom, 1969, Old Crow Chessman. Yeah, definitely took the cake tonight. Um, but, I mean, that Wild Turkey 101, from what year was that that we had? Which one? The Wild Turkey 101. 89. Yeah, I mean, that was ridiculous. That was ridiculously good for what it was. Like, again, I mean, it, well, the Chessman was the, a level of refined above it still fantastic uh one-on-one cheesy gold quite good um just punchy old decanter you got to try three different versions of older turkey um and then to see that old forester you know has just been cranking out the same profile for a, a while yeah right very reminiscent for sure Thanks for tuning in to the Entry Proof Podcast as we talk about Dusties. It's a, it's a big world that we're just scratching the surface on, so I'm sure we will revisit this in the future, try and get a, a, a Dusty expert maybe that we can have, maybe contribute some samples uh, and, and learn us a little bit more about the world of vintage bourbons and American whiskeys. But Absolutely. If you have some recommendations of things that we should be looking after or just things to to look into would love to hear about your experience with dusties and or things that you found that you think uh, either stack up to some of the things we've had tonight or surpass them or just that we should have on our radar that would be fantastic so you can reach out to us on the socials at entry proof podcast on instagram and you can follow me at drew p whiskey you can follow not drew at abandon bourbon 
So stay tuned. We're going to be dropping episodes at least every other week here, and then plenty of content available on YouTube via produced videos and live streams at the Drew P. Whiskey channel. Thanks, squad. Uh, hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week, whatever part of the week you find yourself listening to this. Pour yourself a dram tonight. Enjoy it. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And remember to keep it neat. See you later, squad.